I have a big note on the top of my page and I didn't write it there. I know that one of my associates put it there and it says text messages. So I'm starting with that. <laughs> um, it, as, I, as I go through today's message, you can use your tablets and use uh, promisechurch.community um, and you can actually put text messages in, questions and comments that you want to say about what has happened in the service or questions you have about the message. And uh, at the end of the message, I will leave a couple of moments that we can go through that and, and interact with some of those questions. They come up as anonymous, and so I'll interact with the questions as they happen on the screen. So we're going through a sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is amazing. We've seen that Luke is focusing a lot on the experiential, on what happens. How does, how do we experience God? And that kind of thing has been going on in Luke, and we've been highlighting, just touching on passages. And so these passages are, are important to us, and we're asking the question, um, what, how, how are people meeting with God? How is Jesus meeting with God? How is a community meeting with God, and how do I meet with God? And we've gone through a few intersection points. Um, the first one we went through was scripture. We then went through community. Today we're actually going to talk about prayer, and next week we're going to talk about acts of service. And, uh, and, and we see in Luke's gospel that this is happening. But I'm going to reverse us 500 years into the past, into somewhere in Germany. Well, actually, we, take, we go from Germany to Rome in this story. And our main character of the story is Martin Luther. And Luther grew up as, in rebellion to his father. Luther grew up as a priest instead of a doctor. His father was very adamant that Luther was going to be a doctor and that that was just... Luther was like, no, I'm going to be a priest. And, uh, and he felt God's calling him uh, through a few different dramatic situations. And he started pursuing God and he knew scripture. And he knew, he knew scripture in multiple languages. And he knew what was happening. And as he is studying inside of the, the, the Catholic framework of the church of his day, he starts realizing that there's, that there's more than meets the eye. There's more than what's going on. And, uh, and, and he was unsettled by it. And as we know, Martin Luther turns, becomes one of the, well, one of the major reformers for the Christian faith um, in, in the f about, well, in the 1500s. So this story is along Luther's journey. It's along his journey, and at one point, while he was a, a priest, he was starting to go like, I need to understand God more. He understood God through a lens of he is powerful, and he is mighty, and he is creator, and he, and, and he needs to be um, he needs to forgive us, and he needs to be, uh, well, he's, he's angry, and he needed something that was going to, to help us. And so Luther says, I, I know what I want to do. I'm going to make a pilgrimage to Rome to experience God in a powerful way. I know that I can experience God. And on his pilgrimage, there's a, uh, there was a, a, a 
a part of a pilgrimage that can be done that was part of an indulgence that could be paid. And the point of this one, it was called Santa Scalia. And the point of this one was to, was to scale this wall and every step you, you, you step up and you say the Lord's Prayer. And then you step up and you say the Lord's Prayer. And it's a very slow moving thing. The hope of doing this, and Luther's hope was to release, well, at first he wanted to release his parents from purgatory, except for his parents weren't dead. And so he realized he couldn't do that. Um, But he wanted to release his grandfather from purgatory. And we have to understand that Luther's convictions of God are so strong and so sure and so theologically grounded. And he steps and he prays the Lord's Prayer, or as they called it then, the Our Father. And he steps and he prays the Our Father. And as he comes to the top, he has this moment where he says, did what I just do make any difference at all? Did it work? Did anything happen here? Now, this wasn't a question of like, does God exist or, or deep skepticism of all this stuff. His question was, can I, through prayer, have a moment that I influence this great and powerful God? His question of did anything happen is a question of does God actually listen to me? Is he actually involved? Is, is that what's going on? And his heart was, was, was pulled inside of him and he continued to search the scripture. And what he discovered was God does actually listen. He also discovered, as, as some of us who know some of Christian history, that indulgences were more of a political German piece than, well, actually not even just German. It had to do with the Pope at the time, um, that they wanted to rebuild uh, the basilica with the indulgences. He realized that part wasn't godly, but he realized that God does meet with us. And so the question that we're asking today that we're bringing to the gospel of Luke is how does God meet with us in prayer? How are we met? How do we have this, this relationship with God in prayer? And, uh, and that's, it's an important question to ask. Before we get into that question, we're going to uh, just touch on Luke's strategy of writing. And so every week we've done this. We've done a little piece of, of Luke's history of what he's writing here. So today I just want to talk about how Luke introduced himself. He introduces himself as a historian, as a person who has done research for what has happened with Jesus. Luke was not one of Jesus' disciples. He didn't walk with you. He wasn't an eyewitness of all these things. Um, He was a person who diligently tested the accounts of others. And he went out and he was talking to people and and he's saying, what happened? What's the story? What's going on? He's digging into what is called the oral tradition of the faith. And so he's just picking up all these things and saying, okay, here is the story of Jesus. What I need to, what I need to do is I need to actually make uh, a comment about how history was written in first century. So if you look at any first century history, 
they are centered around the hero, the center of the story, the person. They tell the story of the person. That's what they care about first, where they're like, here is what is happening. So as we read Luke's gospel, we read the story of Jesus, and it's, he transitions it into the book, of the, the book of Acts, because Luke Acts goes together. He moves from the person of Jesus to the person of the church and the Holy Spirit. And so he carries this trajectory, and he says, this is the story of this person. Now, that's important because when we write history, we have a different set of values because of what we learned through modernity and the Enlightenment. We use historical timeline and objective ideas of what happened. We don't care about the person as we do, story, as we do history. We care about the chronology. What happened at what point to make it, to make it uh, worthwhile? The reason I bring up that is because sometimes when people are reading the Gospel of Luke or reading any Gospel, they say, well, how does this work? I mean, one says this, another one says this, don't they contradict? Well, they're not contradicting. They're actually saying the same thing but putting it in important settings. Here's my, kit. Here's my point and then I'm going to move on. In Matthew, there's a great huge sermon series and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a great message where Jesus talks about the, uh, the, 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 what are called the Beatitudes. He puts the Lord's Prayer in there. And there's a whole bunch of like what it means to follow God. Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, there is no Sermon on the Mount. But the same topic is covered in what's called the Sermon on the Plain. Well, where was Jesus? What's going on? The story is important because where Matthew places Jesus, he places Jesus on a mountain. His context that he is writing to are first century Jews. A first century Jew who knows the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, knows that God meets with us on a mountain. And it happens again and again. It's a theme throughout the Old Testament. God meets with us on a mountain. And so Matthew, in saying Jesus is God, puts the setting of Jesus on a mountain and says, right here, God is meeting with us on a mountain. And any Jew reading that sees it. They go, I see what you did here. Here's the story of Jesus. You put him on a mountain. You are now telling me that he is with God. And that's powerful. So why didn't Luke do that? Luke is writing to Gentiles. And Luke is saying, hey, who is, who is this, this person of Jesus? And Luke is saying, he is God come to us. The Sermon on the Plain. He is accessible in community. He is addressing those who are not addressed in the central idea of Mount Zion and, Jeru and Jerusalem. He is addressing those continually on the outskirts. And so Jesus teaches the same thing on the Sermon on the Plain. If I look at it in chronology and history, I would actually suggest that Jesus continually taught the same message wherever he was. And so when he's on a mountain, he teaches this message. And when he is on a plane, he teaches this message. But the placement that the author puts Jesus tells us something about Jesus. So when you're reading the gospel, look at settings and ask yourself, what might the author be communicating about a setting. 
There you go. There's Luke's strategy of writing for today. So let's look at our first passage because we want to see how Jesus experienced prayer. And you can follow along in the tab of, of today's message and you'll see all of the scriptures outlined there. First one is simply just a verse. Uh, Luke 9:18 says, Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? First simple point. Jesus experiences God in praying alone. Very simple. I'm not going to expand that one because we get it. It makes sense. Luke 9, 28 to 32 is interesting here. Um, <laughs> powerful passage here. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James. And he went up to the mountain to pray. We see a mountain here. He's going to meet with God. And as he was praying, an appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in the glory and spoke of his departure while at which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and all those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but they became fully awake. They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him, and the men were... were parting from him. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us that we're here. Let's make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came from, came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Here we have a story of Jesus praying with his community and God showing up. So you'll notice that that Luke puts this in the setting of a mountain saying God has shown up in a community of people. In a chosen community of people, they pray together and God shows up. And this is honestly something that, that we see Jesus do again and again. God is showing up in communities. And so churches, as we, as we gather all over the world today, God is showing up in church communities all over the world today. And we see it here exam- exemplified. And so that's what's happening. Um, Jesus, we're going to move to Luke 22. 39 to 46, another very powerful, powerful passage. And there's so much that I could do with this, but what I want to do, what I am doing with these passages is I'm showing us how God meets with us in prayer. And so we're, we're praying together in community. We're praying alone. And we are, this one, we're praying in a hard time. Luke, in Luke 22, the hardest of hard times, it's the middle of, of the Well, it's at the beginning of the Passion. And Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you might not enter into temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, If you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise, pray, that you might not enter into temptation. Jesus is experiencing a hard time. And that is a light statement, and I don't mean to make light of the importance of this moment. But it's, it's, the, it's the word that I chose for it. He experiences God in a hard time, and I chose it because I know that in my life I experience hard God in hard times as well as I pray. And in this hard time, Jesus takes that to the foot of the cross, not the cross, he takes it to the foot of the Father, and he says, here, here, this is for, this is for you to consider. And we're going to talk about these things, how Jesus experiences God, and we're going to take this into how do we experience God in prayer because we do. We see that, that Jesus has taken, taken that and now we see that, that we do. How does a community experience God in prayer? How am I supposed to experience God in prayer as part of us? As part of what's happening here, how do we experience God in prayer? I've had times in my life where I come to a prayer meeting I'll tell you a story about a good one, and I'll tell you a story about a bad one. <laughs> I've come to a prayer meeting, and, uh, well, we'll do it in the other order. I come to a prayer meeting, and, and, you know, you come, and you hand a list, and here's the prayer meeting, and here's all the things that we're going to pray through, and, uh, and, then, and then it's like this. Okay, so we have to pray for all these things, and... Okay, so this person and this person and this person and 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 you're going to take those four, and you're going to take those four and you're going to take those four and we're going to just check off on the list and and the prayer goes like this, dear Jesus, pray for Gertrude who I guess she broke her foot and uh that's unfortunate. And I pray that something would happen that she would just get better. And and I, oh, I can't say this person's name. Um, I pray for ooh, this person here, and they're going through a hard time. And we go through this, and we're like, I don't, I don't mean to mock this, but, I, but when I talk about my God experience, I go, how am I experiencing God here? How is God meeting in this moment? How, where is God here? Is this what God envisioned? And I do believe on one hand, this is what God envisioned, where we carry each other's needs. The Bible says that, you, that we carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But on another sense, I wonder how much we do it just by checking off boxes. So I was at another prayer meeting. I was at a prayer meeting of people who were passionate about Jesus. And what happened is as they were, as they were praying, they gathered together and they said, God, we welcome you here. And we don't know everything that we need to pray for, but today we're focusing our attention on this community. 
And as they started to pray, you could see that the Holy Spirit's putting different things on people's hearts that are real, that are going on, and they just get right. It's, it's not even emotion. It's just a piece where they're just like, this is important. This isn't a checkbox. This is matters. This is something that we care deeply about, and we join our hearts with God who also cares deeply about it. And in the moment of caring deeply, when I experience what God experiences in that prayer, I may be praying for the exact same thing. I may be praying for Aunt Gertrude's foot, but I care deeply. And in that moment where God cares deeply and I care deeply, Holy Spirit's done something in me and God meets me in prayer and God meets us in prayer and he does some deep work. And it's amazing. It's not all just about like, oh, I just want to feel this, but it's connecting with God in the experience. It's connecting with what God actually cares about. How is God doing this? See, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and I'm just going to reference this. I'm, I'm, it's going to come up later. We're going to end with this. But when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he actually starts in Luke 11. He actually starts with, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What he's inviting us to do in that communal prayer, he's inviting us to align our hearts with what God is doing. He's inviting us to say, I want you to take a picture in your mind, paint a picture of what God's kingdom looks like, and I want you to join with me in prayer about that because that matters. That matters. And so he invites the community to say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Let me align my prayer with God's desires, with what God wants to see happen, with what God's perspective is. And now, when I align my prayer with God's desires, now I'm at a place where I look at that sheet and I say, God, what's your desire here? What's your desire here? I want to align myself in this community of prayer. How do we experience uh, God in prayer while we're in community, we do this by ensuring that we're praying together. <laughs> we pray together. Even today when we did Lectio Divina, it's a prayer where we say, God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to us as a community in this reading of Scripture? Even as on another Sunday, we might do um, times of silence or we might do uh, intercessory prayer where we're praying for others. God, what are, you, what are you doing in this community? We experience God in prayer because we pray together. Uh, somebody was saying in, in my Lectio group was, hey, Rob, you don't have to preach today because I've already got something that God said to me today. Because God speaks to us and meets with us through prayer. And uh, thank you for releasing me with the pressure today. It's good. It's wonderful. Um, so now how do I experience God in prayer? The first way I experience God in prayer is by an honest assessment of what's happening. I actually start through honesty. 
I don't pray into my feelings. I don't pray into and validate, you know, like, oh, God, you know, you should be worried about this. No, I actually just start honestly. The first step of prayer is me approaching God and saying, okay, honestly, God, what do you see happening here? And honestly, this is what I see happening. I'm taking this model actually from the Psalms, where I read oftentimes David, who starts his prayers, and he starts off by saying, God, here's the issues. Here's what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. I need you to do something here. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear what you're doing, and I want you to, to speak to me about what your vision of what's going to happen in. And oftentimes those prayers transition. As the, as the psalm goes on, they actually transition into praise of how great and how faithful God is. When, when I start looking at, okay, here's my issue, which is where I am, I start looking at this is the reality of my situation, and I start bringing it to God honestly, I then shift my eyes towards God and what he would like to see, aligning it with God's vision of the kingdom. And I say, here's, here's the kingdom of God. There's a contrast here. There's something, something's going on here. But I then reflect on God's faithfulness of what he's been doing, and it inspires me to praise it inspires me to go, God, how amazingly faithful and hope-filled you are. How amazingly gracious you are. God, you are wonderful. But where I started was a very different place. Where I oftentimes started was my reality that I think everything, you know, whatever is going on, whatever is, is coming to God in prayer, it's a description of my reality. Then seen through God's eyes then reflecting on God's faithfulness. So, I mean, experiencing God in prayer for me has been a time of learning. When I was in my 20s, I went through some crisis and some stuff went on in my life and it was very hard. And what I learned through that time, um, I learned on a two kilometer walk from my house to my bus stop so that I could get to work. And every day I had to walk the same two kilometers. And every day I was one of those crazy people talking to themselves, except for I was praying. But if anybody saw me, I was just talking to myself. And rain or shine, snow or sunny weather, there I am at the same time of morning, every morning walking this 2.1 kilometer walk to my bus stop. And I learned quickly that as I was doing that, there were days where I did not connect with God and days that I did connect with God. And it, and it made me beg the question, what's the difference here? doing the same thing. What's the difference? I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you're trying to pray and it just feels empty and you're just like, I don't know what's going on. Where is God? This is a complete waste of time. And what I found was that the times that I wasn't connecting with God, I actually started to ask myself, what I'm praying about do I care about? It's not, is it worth praying about or not? It's, do I care about it? Dear Jesus, please help the service that's going to happen. Please help it so that uh, things go well in that service. And, you know, okay, whatever. But my brain's somewhere else. I'm thinking about something else. And all of a sudden, I'm not connecting with God. God cares deeply about that service that I was praying about. But I don't. 
So how am I going to experience God in that? Because I'm not even, I don't care. I'm just doing rote. I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 Jesus, blah, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not helping me experience God because God is in the moment of caring. God's in that moment of caring for that thing. So prayer helps me. It gives me that time of aligning my heart with what God cares about. Aligning it and saying, here, this is what is important. God, I care about this. I, I might not have cared about it two seconds ago, three minutes ago, but I'm going to enter into the moment and I'm going to see what you care about. See, that what I'm praying about matters. God, I pray this service it impacts people's hearts. I pray that the that, that people who came with, with weights on their shoulders, I pray that they would walk out of this place with a weight that's relieved. I pray that you would do something that only you can do, God, because we rely on you. And this matters. It matters. Because God cares. God cares. And sometimes the first prayer I need to say is, God, help me care. We experience God in those moments. The reality is there's a discontinuity between what will be and what is. There's a, there's a difference. What will be has been a, is everything perfected. And what is stands in that moment of, of this mix between the good and the evil and the garbage. And we know that God cares and he's drawing out what he is doing in us as a church. What he is doing and he says, I'm pulling us towards my kingdom, so that as a church, Promise Church foreshadows the fulfillment of God's promises. Today I would, I'm going to take some text messages and then we're going to end by reading Lord's Prayer together out of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, I actually don't have any text messages, so that's wonderful. There's a big sign that just went up at the back. It says, only one for you. Um, <laughs> or only one you. Um, but uh, what I want to do is I want to end our service today with... Uh, with a reading together of the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer is shorter in Luke than it is in Matthew, and so we're going to be careful as we read it because some of us know it by memory. We're going to fill it out more, um, <laughs> but we're going to we're going to we're going to paste this one, um, and uh, and so I, I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Uh, we're not going to rush through it. It's just going to be nice and slow. So, um, and when he said to them, "When you pray." Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. God, I just pray that as you call us to experience you, as this was your design, this is totally your idea and your design. I pray that we would experience you 
in our prayer times. God, I'm sorry for the times that I come into your presence as rote, and I pray the words that I should pray, but I don't actually care about them. Help me change my approach to prayer. Help us change our approach to prayer. An approach that's learned, an approach that says, oh, well, this is what we do, so it's what we have to do. God, I pray that in the moments of prayer, you would increase our care. I think of Jesus as he walked on earth. He had compassion on the people, and he prayed. And that that formula happens again and again in the Gospels, and I realize that Jesus is just carrying, he's carrying the same compassion that you have. So Jesus, when I approach prayer, I pray that you would increase my ability to care and that my heart would align with you and that our hearts would align with you. And in those moments of alignment that we experience you and know that you are God and you are doing something that's wonderful and beautiful and amazing. We trust you so much and we give you praise for everything that you do in our life. We thank you that you're involved. In Jesus' name, amen.